Okay, I want to welcome you all to our faith builders. We had, I'm sure, a good time in our prayer time. Before we get into our study, a few weeks ago, actually a month or so ago, I started sharing some quotes from different people that we know, people that have written commentaries or pastors, and I just want to share a few of those with you because I think they're reminders. And before we get into the Word, how many times do we need reminders? I know I need a lot of them. Once a week? Once a month? How about a couple times an hour? <laughs> All right. Here's a few thoughts. Uh, these are quotes from John MacArthur. Jesus Christ is not just my personal Savior. He is Lord. If I'm not showing grace, have I forgotten the grace I've been shown? And I think we had a good reminder this morning. I am a free man, the slave of Christ. And then here's a few from John Piper. People don't enjoy salt. They enjoy what is salted. We are the salt of the earth. We do not exist for ourselves. One of the greatest enemies of hope is forgetting God's promises. God is always doing 10,000 things in your life, and you may be aware of only three of them. If you are sufficient for your task, it's too small. <laughs> Good thoughts, things to think about. Well, it seems at Lakeside, almost every week there's a newborn that enters the world and that's announced in church. As these newborns grow into toddlers, it's interesting to watch our children and grandchildren and sometimes great-grandchildren learn to walk. Each new walker has a certain style, if you've noticed. You have the side-to-side you have the ones that dive forward as they're trying to walk. Then you have the leaner backers, kind of leaning back. And then you have the swayers that kind of sway around as they're learning to walk. And as they are coached by words of exhortation from parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, and siblings, they're often startled. They say, go for it, and they look around, and sometimes they go right down at that point but then they get back up. Or sometimes they become energized and they go flat out for that nearest relative. Anyway, as they venture into the art of walking, encouragement along the way always helps. And we as believers need encouragement. We need exhortations along the way. And in these last days, it helps us to keep going. We should anticipate the Lord could return today and we'll meet Him in the air. But in the meantime, we need to be obeying the exhortations God's Word shares with us. This morning we'll conclude our four-part study in Philippians entitled Exhortations for These Last Days. So please join me in Philippians chapter 2 and we'll be looking at verses 12 to 18 this morning. And our final exhortation from this study series that we've done 
The final exhortation we need to listen to is, be light in a dark world. Be light in a dark world. Before we look at these verses, let's bow in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for your word. We're thankful that we have it to study it, but not only study it, but to live by it. And we're thankful the Holy Spirit, your Holy Spirit, helps us to be able to obey your word. And Father, as we've looked over these four exhortations in this study, Father, help us to heed it. Help us to say, Lord, what do you want to do in my life? And say, Lord, come to you. And we come to you and say, Lord, help me. I can't do it on my own. You're the only one that can do it through me. And so, Father, as we look at Philippians 2, verses 12 to 18, as we see how we are to be light in a dark world, Father, give us the strength. Give us the direction. Give us the hope that we have only in you to be able to accomplish it in your strength, that you can work through us. We do all this, we ask all this for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Philippians 2, beginning at verse 12. Follow with me. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, so that you may prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent, children of God above reproach, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you appear as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I will have reason to glory, because I did not run in vain nor toil in vain. But even if I am being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice." And share my joy with you all. You too, I urge you, rejoice in the same way and share your joy with me. As we uncover these verses, we'll find three ways to be light in the dark world around us. But first, we need to review the previous exhortations that we've already covered in our series. Remember, the first one, the first exhortation we were given in Philippians 1, 27 to 30, we were exhorted, stand firm in the midst of persecution. Stand firm in the midst of persecution. And the three ways we can stand firm in persecution include standing in one spirit, being of one mind in striving for the faith, and in suffering for our faith. The second exhortation, Philippians 2, 1-4, we were exhorted to be spiritually unified. We need each other. We uncovered three ingredients combined make it possible 
for us to be unified spiritually. They include the blessings of spiritual unity, displaying the right marks of spiritual unity, and the right means, the how-to of spiritual unity. And then last week we studied the third exhortation, Philippians 2, 5-11. We were encouraged and exhorted to remember Christ's example of humility. Remember Christ's example of humility. We asked and answered three questions that included, first, who is our example of true humility? And that answer was Christ Jesus. The second question, how did Jesus show his humility? And the answer is through his incarnation. And third question, what are the results of true humility? And that answer is Christ Jesus was highly exalted as Lord. Highly exalted as Lord. And so again, we come to our fourth and final exhortation in this series in verses 12 to 18. Be light in this dark world. Is the world around us dark? Would we all agree? Say, oh, things are getting better. Everybody's turning back to the Lord, and when we share the gospel with them, they say, amen, I believe it. One thing I was thinking about the dark world around us, I was kind of encouraged. Carol and I ate at Chick-fil-A yesterday. And we were sitting at a table, and we usually pray before we eat. But Carol said, look, over there. And I said, what? Look over there. They were praying. And so I found that encouraging. Have you ever seen somebody else pray? and put, not, not to broadcast it, but just to share because they love the Lord. They're thankful for what they have at that moment that they're saying, Lord, thank you for this food. Of course, those fries are hard to beat. Amen? (laughs) But we need to be light in this dark world, and we're going to look at three ways that we can be in these verses. The first way to be light in this dark world is by working out our own salvation. And we see this presented to us in verses 12 And 13, again, So then, my beloved, just as you've always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. It begins, so then. It's drawing a conclusion from preceding verses back to verses 5 to 8, when Jesus, in his all humility, in the incarnation, he went from heaven down to being crucified upon a cross in our place. He endured it all for us so that we could have eternal life in his presence. So it's a conclusion that we need to look at Jesus as that model of humility. It says, my beloved. You know, we are my beloved. Our brothers and sisters here, when we meet in our prayer groups, we're praying for one another and we're praying as a group for each other. Why? 
Not only does God command it, but it's a privilege to approach God's throne. Why? Because of who we are? No, it's because of who Jesus is. That we can humbly come before Him. John MacArthur shares, Paul's charge for them to work out their salvation was an affectionate call to follow Christ's example in confidence of His love by practicing the things they had learned and received and heard and seen in Paul. And as I was thinking of that, I ran across something that an inmate wrote, Dale Smith. He's serving time in Arkansas. And he wrote this, and I thought it fit well here. It's entitled Love. Lord, help us to submit to you, to follow and obey, instead of finding loopholes to defend our sinful ways. Christ takes each sin, each pain, each loss, and transforms our brokenness and shame by the power of his blood so that our lives exalt his name. In this world of sin and trouble where so many ills are known, if I shun the ways of evil, I'm kept by him alone. The godless and sinful are everywhere in need of love and care, but they will always know hopeless despair unless God's love with them we share. You may be tempted to debate, to change another's point of view, but nothing speaks more powerfully than Christ's cleansing work in you. We're a testimony whether we want to be or not to those around us. And the world is desperately looking for an answer and they're not finding it in the world around us. They can only find it through Jesus Christ. Paul points out, just as you have always obeyed, there was a history of those believers in Philippi were following God's word. And they were living out what James 1.22 tells us. Don't be just hearers of the word, but doers of the word. It's one thing to hear, it's another thing, another step to do it. As Peter, James, and John on the Mount of Transfiguration heard the command in Matthew 17.5, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to Him. That's a direct command for us. If we're being set apart, sanctified, we will be obeying God's Word. And it says not only in Paul's presence, but even when he's absent. Obedience whether someone is watching or not. Because who's always watching? God watches everything we do. You heard the saying, when the boss is away, the employees will play. You heard that? God watches everything we do, everything we think. He knows what we will think before we think it. Psalm 139. When Paul recorded this, he was hundreds of miles away from those in Philippi. He was incarcerated in Rome, and yet he's writing this encouragement. Paul repeats here an admonition he shared back in chapter 1, verse 27. Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ 
so that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear of you, that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. We need to be doing it in God's strength, but we need each other as well. I've asked this before, but how many get too much encouragement? Too much. Can't take it. Just overwhelmed. How many of us give too much encouragement? Can we do that? We never can. There's always opportunities. We need to keep obeying whether Paul is around, as he's saying here with those in Philippi, and keep on continuing to complete their salvation. Salvation that involves addressing personal conduct, obedient daily living. Work out is the same original term for working a mine or working a field. Keep at it to get ore out of the mine or harvest a crop from a field. Continually work to bring something to completion. To actively pursue obeying the Word of God. John MacArthur adds, Believers therefore have been saved and are being saved and will be saved. They're to pursue sanctification in this life to the time of glorification. In that glorious moment, believers will see the Lord face to face and come to know fully even as they are fully known. Question becomes, are our lives reflecting more and more that Christ is the center of our lives? And if not, why not? Jesus reminds us in Matthew twenty four thirteen, the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, having a healthy fear of offending God as we show a deep respect for God. As Christians, we will persevere, endure, because the power of God keeps our salvation secure. Jesus tells us in John 10, I give eternal life to them and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. You need to just picture that for a moment. We're in God's mighty right hand. No one can snatch us out. Verse 13 continues sharing how God works in us. As adopted sons and daughters of God, who works in us, he is the true and living God. He loves us with what kind of love? Agape love. A love that's unconditional, that keeps showering us with his grace and his mercy. He's working in us. He's in working in his sons and daughters. And from that word work means the word energy. God energizes us to serve Him by obeying Him. Every day we're on this earth, God energizes and works through us, through the long days at work, while stuck in traffic on US 19, in our times of crisis, and if our faith wears thin or in is non-existence, we ask God to give us faith to keep going. Now, is that easy to do in the world we live in? No. What keeps us from asking God is simply what? Pride. 
God, I can handle it. If I get in a real bind, then I'll turn to you. But God says, turn to me right away. Let me continue working in you. We are being sanctified every day. Through a believer's entire life, this goes on. David recorded for us in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, and that he would lack nothing, that God would protect him, guide him, and assured he would be in God's presence forever. Both to will and to work, believers need the will to do what is right before God. Thoughtful and purposeful choice, when that choice is a godly one, and godly work will be produced. All this is for his good pleasure. That expresses great joy and satisfaction. As believers obey and please God, when his children seek to do his will and accomplish the work God has for them, it brings God great pleasure. In Awana with the Sparks, we often tell the children that God smiles. He he approves when they let someone else ahead of them at the water fountain, or cheer on their teammates while playing kickball or running a relay race. God is always watching, and it's amazing how those sparks respond when they hear that. In fact, I had one of those sparks say, said, do you think God saw that? And I said, he sure did. And they had a big smile. One commentator, Kenneth Wee, shares It is not a let go and let God affair. It is take hold with God's business. It is a mutual cooperation with the Holy Spirit and an interest and activity in the things of God. We don't want to waste the day. This could be our last day on this earth. We don't know. But God does. A second way to be light in this dark world is shared beginning of verse 14 through 16. And that's Second way is pursuing godliness. Pursuing godliness. Verse 14. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. Oh, boy, that's a tough one. So that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent. Children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Among whom you appear as lights in the world holding fast the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I will have reason to glory, because I did not run in vain, nor toil in vain. Do all things. Back to verse 14. I had a professor in seminary told me all means all, and that's all all means. This is a reference back to the previous two verses, 12 and 13. Everything involved in working at our salvation, in learning to obey God consistently. Consistently. It says without grumbling or disputing. Grumbling that speaks of sounds like the guttural muttering sounds when someone's disgruntled was used to the Pharisees and the scribes who grumbled at Jesus' disciples when they ate with tax collectors and sinners in Luke 5. Grumbling is described by the British novelist J.B. Priestley. He shares this, I've always been a grumbler. I am designed for the part. Sagging face, 
weighty underlip, rumbling, resonant voice. Money couldn't buy a better grumbling outfit. That's, that's a picture of a grumbler. <laughs> Pastor Charles Swindoll adds, ever been around a sourpuss like that? We all have. It creates an atmosphere of wholesome negativism where nothing but the bad side of everything is emphasized. And then he says, it's enough to make you scream. <laughs> we don't want to be a grumbler. We don't want to be around grumblers. Our disputing, that speaks of inner reasoning, a, a questioning, a doubting, passing judgment on another's opinion. It's to have no part in our lives as believers. As we walk this earth as children of the Almighty, there is no room for complaining. Let's admit it, though, we all do. But we need to ask God for help to overcome it. Amen? We can't do it on our own. Verses 15 and 16, why we need to stop complaining. That we prove ourselves to be blameless and innocent. Our lives shouldn't be criticized for sin and innocent and living a, a life set apart from sin. Matthew 10, 16. Behold, I sent you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. We need to be children of God above reproach. We are children and we need to be imitators of God. Above reproach is impossible in our own power. But as we're reminded in Jude 24, Jesus is able to keep believers from stumbling and to make believers stand in the presence of His glory, blameless with great joy. Do we depend on the Lord? Or do we say, Lord, let me try it first. <laughs> and if I can make it a bigger mess, then I'll turn it over to you. Isn't that honestly at times what we do? Above reproach where? We live in a crooked and perverse generation. Crooked refers to what is bent, curved, or twisted. Perverse is more active bending and twisting generation. If we look around us in America... We see a lot of twisting, perverting society that is bent on turning from God and His Word and taking up everything sin can think of. And not only doing it, but parading it. Among whom you appear, here it comes, as lights in the world. We're to be luminaries, meaning to be stars surrounded by darkness. You know the stars wouldn't show up if it wasn't dark, would they? The stars wouldn't illuminate. They wouldn't be luminaries if it was all sunshine. You couldn't see them. But because it is dark, they illuminate just like we are to illuminate Jesus to the world around us. Is Jesus always the answer? Is he the answer? We can put our trust in Him and God says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll never turn you away. I'll never give up on you. No one can snatch us out of the mighty right hand of God. So we need to illuminate Jesus to this dying world around us. And if we don't as believers, who will? And as we illuminate 
Jesus to this lost world, we show God's love, we show his grace and mercy with our neighbors, with our co-workers, with family members and other believers as we have opportunities. Do we ever run out of opportunities? No, they're there right before us. But when we're looking through God's eyes, we see him. And he gives us the strength to be a witness for him. Verse 16 continues, holding fast the word of life, literally offering out to others the gospel, which is the only truth for eternal life is the gospel. Jesus isn't a way. He is the way. He is the truth and the life. There is no other way. Daniel shares in Daniel 12, 3, those who have insight will shine brightly like the brightness of the expanse of heaven. And those who lead the many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Zacharias in Luke spoke of Jesus as the coming sunrise from on high. That's a great picture. Verse 16 concludes, So that in the day of Christ, I will have reason to glory because I did not run in vain nor toil in vain. Paul reflects that he may rejoice or boast of the truth of the gospel when the rapture of the saints takes place. It could be today. The question is, are we ready? Paul labored to the point of exhaustion in sharing the gospel. And as I was thinking about that, I thought about the old hymn, To God Be the Glory. Great things He has done, so loved He the world that He gave us His Son, who yielded His life in atonement for sin and opened the life gate that all may go in. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let the earth hear His voice. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let the people rejoice. Come to the Father through Jesus the Son. Give Him the glory. Great things He has done. We can't outdo God. We put our trust in Him. He will always be with us. The third way we can be light in this dark world is shared in verses 17 and 18. By being glad to serve. By being glad to serve. Verse 17, But even if I am being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice and share my joy with you all. You too, I urge you, rejoice in the same way and share your joy with me. Paul pictures his service to the believers in Philippi as a drink offering. This was a symbol of the one offering an animal sacrifice and pouring wine on it, and as the animal burned, the wine would be vaporized. John MacArthur adds, that steam symbolized the rising of the offering of the deity for whom the sacrifice was made. Paul viewed his entire life as a drink offering, and here it was poured on the Philippians' sacrificial service. Have we been pouring our lives into each other as we rub shoulders here at Lakeside? Do we encourage, do we exhort, and at times admonish each other in love? 
Paul did, Jesus did, and we should. End of verse 17, I am glad and rejoice with you all. When the Apostle Paul heard of all the personal sacrifices the believers in Philippi were making, he rejoiced with them. Further in verse 18, Paul encouraged, he urged the Philippian believers to rejoice with him. Hymn writer Elisha Hoffman writes, You have longed for sweet peace and for faith to increase, and have earnestly, fervently prayed, but you cannot have rest or be perfectly blessed until all on the altar is laid. Your heart does the spirit control. You can only be blessed and have peace and sweet rest as you yield him your body and soul. We've got to give it all of the Lord. That hidden closet that we've kept locked for so long, we need to open it and say, Lord, here it is. And Jesus isn't going to say, okay, now I don't love you. He still loves us. He still wants what's best for us. And will we always understand all of God's ways? No. Do we have to? Does God answer to us? Remember, he saved us by his grace. We didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. Paul was nearing the end of his life on this earth. And he was still pouring the rest of his life to sharing the gospel with the lost. Paul yearned, and we should too, to serve every day so we can stand before the Lord and hear, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Is our mission on this earth ever done? Do we ever say, Lord, yes, I have nothing to do today. There's no one to rub shoulders with. There's no one to share the gospel with. So I'll just sit around. Is that what the Lord wants us to be doing? Are there any accidents that certain people come into our lives and we have opportunities? And not only to share the gospel, I remember I had an opportunity not long ago to share uh, with a mechanic. He used to work at the jail and now he has his own business fixing cars and such. And I was able to share with this man the gospel. And he said, you know, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's my personal Savior. I didn't know that he was, but I had an opportunity to share. And he heard it and he listened. And he said, too, he was a believer. That's a brother in Christ. We need each other. When one stumbles, we need to help pick each other up. If somebody's struggling... We need to come alongside. We need to be exhorting one another not to quit. Because I believe there are fewer and fewer in the world around us willing to take a stand. We can only take a stand if we are following close with the Lord. We have our trust in Him. That we know He's not going to leave us nor forsake us. And we need to know that our brothers and sisters care about us. Because... Whether we're in a trial right now, we will be. And we need to pray for each other as they pray for us. And that pride can get in the way where we're afraid to say, I need prayer. We all need prayer, don't we? And we can never pray for each other too much. 
And when a brother or sister's struggling, and we say, I'm going to pray for you, right that moment in our mind, pray for them. That way, if you forget the next day, you prayed for them right there. And it says to pray what? Without ceasing. It means to keep at it. Because we need to pray for each other and we need prayer. So again, as we've come to a close to this study, by way of review, we've seen four exhortations in this series of verses from 127 to 2 verse 18. We've seen four exhortations that we need to listen to. Not only listen to, but obey. Stand firm in persecution. Will we be persecuted for our faith? Yes, we will. Are we today? Yes. Going to get worse? Yes. But the Lord's still there. He's still sovereign. He's still almighty. Secondly, we need to be spiritually united. We need each other. We get used to each other here on this earth, so in eternity we'll be spending with the Lord, but with each other as well. We need to be spiritually unified. Thirdly, we need to remember Jesus' example of humility. And never forget, what did Jesus do in the upper room? He went down before the disciples, even Judas Iscariot, and he washed their feet. Were feet clean then? No. Everything was thrown out in the streets. It was gunked up. It was on your feet. You took your sandals off. It wasn't just a light washing. You had a scrub. Jesus did that because he was willing to be a servant. He's our example. And finally, we need to be lights in this dark world. We represent the King of Kings. We represent the one who saved us. This dark world, they need Jesus. They need to have that personal relationship with Him. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to You this morning. We're unworthy in so many ways. Lord, we've stumbled around so often. Lord, thanks. thank You for not giving up on me. Thank You for not giving up on us, Lord. We have so much to learn. Thankful that Jesus died upon the cross for our sins. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for sending Jesus. Thank you for the Holy Spirit to help us strive to be more set apart every day in our lives so that the world around us can hear us but see us. That we might bring honor and glory to you by how we live. Father, we can't do it on our own. We need you. We put our trust in you. Help us to be obedient to these exhortations that you've shared with us in Philippians. Paul gave it all he had. Lord, help us to as well. In this coming week, Lord, as we have opportunities to share the gospel, may we do it with the confidence that you give us and the knowledge and the wisdom that we know you are, Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but through you. Thank you for the hope we have. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all. Have a great week.